Welcome to Fright Night. For real. What's happening, everybody? I'm Nolan Tuck. Stacy Glover. And you're listening to Cinema Parlor. Stacy, what's happening? Not much. Today's episode, we have another spooky film to talk about today. We're going to be talking about Fright Night. That's right. And Because uh, it's October. Yes, it absolutely is. And we have another guest with us today. Melanie, you're back. I'm back, baby. How you doing? I'm well. What is everybody drinking today, Stacy? I am drinking a Voodoo Ranger Atomic Pumpkin. Also, for backup, I've got some Elysian Night Owl, which we've been big fans of on this show. So what are you drinking? Uh, You've got two. Yes, so I have my first drink here. Melanie, if you want to talk yeah, about what we're, we're having today. We're drinking uh, a Ghost Washington. And nice. what it is, there is club soda ginger beer you could also do ginger soda and then about two ounces of apple whiskey top it off with apple some juice. apple juice what's that beer so i've got that drink and then i have another drink here by four hands brewing company this is a blueberry prusia a sour ale with blueberries have you had it i have it's very good you love a sour beer, i do though. love a sour yeah this is actually they this same company made one the last couple of years with, I think it was passion fruit, mm-hmm. which is very good. So this is the first time they've had their blueberry run. I think it's quite good. Their cans are always so cool. They get really interesting artwork. Mm-hmm. It's like on this and the passion fruit. They have what's what's the movie it's playing off of? Uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. Um, so the passion fruit obviously was a red one, and this. This is blue. From here, it kind of looks like the worm from Beetlejuice. Yeah, I can see that too. Mm -hmm. It's really, really great artwork. So yeah. Anyway, very nice, very nice. Yes, like I said, we're going to be talking about the original Fright Night on this episode. Nolan, before we start, I have a question for you. Yes. I posted a thing on Twitter where I was asking for people's favorite horror shots. I feel like one that no one t- posted about is that shot from Signs. It's not, I don't really mm-hmm. like that movie that much. Mm-hmm. It's not a hot take. It's just it never, sure. I didn't care for it. But I feel like everyone references the, it's like that Bigfoot footage of the monster, the alien walking out. Right. Okay. So, and I asked Stacy if that scared him. He told me that I needed to ask you how your viewing experience of Signs went with your cousin Nick. Yeah, I can talk about that real quick. Uh, A a movie that I enjoyed enough when I was younger, I have not revisited it Mm -hmm. since theaters, so that's been quite some time. Mm -hmm. Um, Didn't really scare me. My my cousin Nick, same age uh, group, so we were in high school when this came out we were probably what sophomores or juniors somewhere yeah it was that movie's like what 2002 yeah so we went and watched it at our local theater and after the movie was over uh, nick was pretty terrified he decided to stay over at my house that night 
And so he stayed the night. I was on my bed. We made a pallet for him on the floor. Nick? You wouldn't let him sleep in the bed with you? No. Uh, it was just, I only, at the time, I only had a single. I, I didn't have as big as uh, of a bed as I have now. Okay. So, you know, mm-hmm. it would have been a tight fit okay. on that bed. So, uh, Nick always had issues with, if things scared him, he, he, had, he had rough nightmares. Okay? So, this was something he was prone to. Middle of the night comes well, around. Did he I'm, have like sleep paralysis and he, nightmares? He had some issues. Yeah. He had some, yeah. Uh, Very common, rough, yeah. common thing. Yeah. 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 So I was, I was asleep on my bed. He was on the floor. Middle of the night, I, I get awoken uh, from him and he is freaking out. Um, he, is he conscious? Is he awake? He's, I think, but he's, have, he's had a nightmare. Uh-huh. He jumps up from the floor and grabs me. He's, something's down there. Something's down there, and he is full on having like a panic an, attack. Yeah, a panic attack. He's he's really upset, and I was like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> and he's like, "No, I'm not." And I'm like, "I'm not doing a good job expressing his like he, he was full he, on he, like no, worried. he was legitimately scared. I yeah. just like, are you okay? Mm-hmm. So no, I'm not. So, um, I do." what I think is the proper thing to do. And I said, Nick, you sleep in this bed, I'm gonna hit the pallet floor. So I let him have the bed for the rest of the night. That's very sweet. I, I took the pallet floor. Did you see anything down there? No, I did not. Did you look? Were you kind of, were you at all kind of just like, hmm? I actually wasn't, uh, which is weird for me because yeah, nowadays I, I would be like, would. absolutely. I wanted to say, maybe it was just like, I was used to him having it was more bad just reaction sometimes with. to things, yeah. so so I just you know the overreaction was yeah. expected. So I just took the pallet. Did you ever ask him what he saw? No, I, I mean he thought it was an alien. <laughs> I mean, I you the the scene you talk about uh-huh. was a, was a thing, but I think he the other thing that really freaked him out too was when the hand went under the oh, yeah, yeah, the, the door, the door. Mm-hmm. that cut those fingers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he thought someone's reaching yeah. out. Mm-hmm. So. I want to ask you guys, for it is the season, and this has been on my mind, like, are there things that, or something that has made you unreasonably scared? And I say unreasonably scared, kind of like Nolan's story about his cousin, and that, like, you are terrified, but it's silly. So you're not in any real danger, there's nothing happening, so I will tell mine first. Scream had just came out on video, so it was like rewatching Scream a bunch, right? And so that would have been probably what, like late '96, early '97. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So yep. Scream just come out on video. Watched it a few times. Back then in the '90s, you could just stay at home. Like your parents were never around. Latchkey. La- kids. Yeah, 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 latchkey kids. So I was home alone, and. <laughs> started getting prank phone calls because that would happen because that was a big thing for like during the rotary phone era of just getting prank calls so or you know there'd be nothing on the line so i'd pick it up and it's like you know you just watch scream and you're getting like freaking jacked with so phone rings it cuts out and then the doorbell rings at the same time so i put the phone down and I go outside, like, to answer the door. Nobody is there. Phone rings again. Doorbell goes again. 
I get mad, I grab a baseball bat, and I walk outside, and Trevor and one of the neighbor kids, we had bushes in front of the house at the time. Now it's like a concrete, you know, patio that, that my parents have made, but there used to be giant bushes. They were hiding behind these bushes, ringing the doorbell, and hiding. So I come out there with a baseball bat, being stupid. Who like, was calling? That I don't know. That's weird. Yeah, that is a mystery. They, I have no, no idea. If this is the 90s, they don't have yeah, cell Yeah, they phones. weren't calling. Like, that was just... What they were doing was circumstantial to the phone fuckery. So, but I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm, let's go. Like, you didn't whatever. Get scared, like, you got pissed. What? I get unreasonably angry whenever I'm scared. Like, your wires are crossed? Yeah, like, I want to fight the thing, which is stupid. You're going to get murdered. Probably. Yeah. I'm, I'm the guy who boxes Jason and gets his head punched off. Abs- yeah. Not a survivor. Mm-hmm. You go out like third. Yeah, but I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna out there with the bat. That is probably like a wiffle ball bat, even. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna like f- fuck you up, man. And like, we, they come out from the bushes and like, oh, we're just messing with you. The time we lived in. That's fair. Okay. Well, here's the thing. Everything is no. awful for me in this world. I mean, no, okay. you're not scared of like supernatural stuff really though. You're no. scared of like real world heights falling to your that's death, true. which is a, an yeah. honorable fear. That's that's very true. Yeah. Um this is hard for me cuz it's that's off okay. the cuff here. I'm having a hard time thinking, but I'll give one example of something we may have done to other kids. How about that? Oh, okay. So, oh, I think I know where you're going. Uh so when we were in our early 20s, we had a bachelor party, and we had been drinking that night, being ridiculous. Uh, we It was out, like, in one of our friends. He lived kind of out in the woods um, and by this cemetery not very far away, if I remember right. Yeah. Um, and so we were being ridiculous. We heard some kids, what we assumed were high schoolers at the time, uh-huh. that went out in that area to try to, like, think they were big shit that night or whatever. Partying yeah, in the cemetery. So we were, we were, you know, having a good time, being drunk, being ridiculous, foolish. So we decided we're going to play some pranks on these kids. Mostly, the main thing I remember, because I was pretty hammered, I'll be honest. The main thing I remember is, for some reason, I took my clothes off, other than I had underwear on only. You ran through a field in your undies. Yeah, and there was like... Did you get sugar bites? I got poison ivy, even worse for me, because oh I'm allergic God. to it. Oh, my gosh. Um, the, the main thing I remember is there was a... A, a underground like pipe yeah like a, a yeah big drain pipe like a big drain pipe that i was hiding in for some reason making loud noise echoey noises nolan's really good at projecting the, his voice like you were doing your like <laughs> meh, those type of noises yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> strange noises i think we freaked them out if i remember right but i i don't remember the how the story ends because at some point, I passed out. So yeah, you didn't pass out in the drain pipe. Thank God, no. But you made it to the house. I made it to the house, but um, but I did I did get pretty bad poison ivy. So I guess the joke was more on me than them, probably. Um, but yeah, that was a good night. Yeah. So I mean, other than that, like I can I can give you a another a dream that I have. Oh, like this that. this one's not as good as ones I've had in the past, but. A dream that I have quite often, you, you, you spoke of my hatred and fear of heights, mm-hmm. is I will have a, a reoccurring dream, and this still happens today. I'm, for some reason, I'm in a huge city, 
and I'm in the car driving, and I'll be dr- freaking out because I don't know where I'm going, and I'm like... And you don't do well, and that's another yeah. thing. It, mm-hmm. Like, a lot of traffic. It's, yeah. Yeah. And, small town boy. Yeah. So I'll be driving, and then all of a sudden, I'll come up to, like, a point where there's, like, a... For some reason in this huge city, there's a huge hill, and I have to drive... None of this what I'm going to say is going to make sense dream, without dream visualization, yeah. right? But, like, I will have to go drive down and then up, like, this huge hill. So it's a steep hill. Where there's hill. no railing or anything, where, like, I'm I'm literally shaking in my dream, thinking that I'm just going to veer off and the side of this road and be done. And that's it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I have that dream over and over again. And I hate it. No, that's scary. I'm sure I have better ones, probably. I'm just not... They're not coming to me at this moment. I sprung it on you. I'm sorry. See, and I said, I was like, you should tell us so we can think of things beforehand. So I can only think of one thing that is, it's not movie related. It's a story my grandmother told me. So I'm going to tell that. And it's, I will say it is creepy. It's still to this day. And it could be something because she used to, this is the thing that gets me about my grandmother and my mom. I love them, but they love when we were younger, they loved lying to us about stuff. Santa Claus, we knew, wasn't a thing. Easter Bunny wasn't a thing. They tried to convince me that my mom was the actress that played the first girl in Jaws who dies. Because she had long blonde hair. Uh-huh. If the timing would have made sense, she was long blonde cheerleader in the 70s. Like, it made sense. And I was just like, there's no way, Mom. That doesn't look like you. And she's like, oh, it was. And it was very traumatic. And that's why you're so scared of sharks. Because I told you about it when you were a little... Very elaborate lies. Very elaborate lies. Not the and normal you... lies that parents tell their no! children. No! And, the, and I, the thing is, my mom and JT started this. So my mom and my brother started this. This isn't the story. I'm sorry. This is like a total veer off. But my mom and JT were like, no, it's true. I call my grandma who has no idea what is happening. And I said, hey, mom said this. She backs my mom. And she goes, yeah, absolutely. She has no idea. And she just starts <laughs> lying on the cuff. Vibe check. I would say that's like <laughs> one of the main reasons to have children is to convince them of <laughs> oh, stupid things. I told, I whenever friends of all of us, when they had kids, or their first baby, him and his wife had dressed up like superheroes. You should hide those in a chest. Photoshop all of these like uh, headlines of like these vigilantes that no one knows their identities like saving the world and it's like your kid's gonna open it up and be like oh shit mm-hmm. my parents are superheroes he was like that's a great idea he probably didn't do it but that's what I would do if I had kids until you have that like <laughs> uh, the dude on Adventures of Superman where a kid like tries to shoot him yeah yeah that's not great okay so anyways <laughs> my grandmother was a substance abuse nurse in the late 80s early 90s and she worked for a local clinic here so she was dealing with people coming off of hardcore substances, having like probably the worst point in their life. So she's seeing people very vulnerable and she's very, very endearing, very sweet. So it's like the most compassionate lady who is also very good at lying. <laughs> she's an amazing woman. She uh, had a bunch of ghost stories. So there was a man who he was, I think he was an indigenous person. Mm-hmm. I feel like she said he was Chippewa. Mm-hmm. Maybe he came in and he was, um, I won't say what he was suffering from, but he was sure. he was coming off of stuff. Most of the time, the facility that she worked in, they would keep people short term and they would detox them and then they would seek full rehabilitation elsewhere. This guy was detoxing at their facility and he had these rocks that he set up on his uh, end table next to his bed in his room. Another person who had been in the room with him, who was sharing a room, he ended up getting moved but this guy was suffering from 
he like he was having hallucinations and he was suffering from severe like body ache and especially mm-hmm. in his neck and hit horrible headaches mm-hmm. and like they kept this guy the man who was in the room with him had been detoxing for a long time or he, he should have already been past this stage and ready to go out to seek further treatment but for whatever reason he wasn't getting better so they were keeping him there until he was well enough to go on for treatment so this man the story's about uh he had these rocks set up and he put some rocks one night next to the other guy's bed so the man that is having severe head pain i think my grandma had gone in at some point because she was taking care of the other man but she started talking to the the man with the rocks and she said well what's this for and he goes it's for protection from demons and she was like oh okay whatever she like she's not gonna pry but she's just like do you feel comfortable here are you okay and he's like yeah no i'm fine but the man over there has a demon on his shoulders i can see it like he has a demon that's what's and he didn't know that this guy this was day one he like he had stayed one night and that guy hadn't been in the room until the midday so it's Mm -hmm. like they hadn't really interacted at all and the one guy was so far gone that he wasn't like communicating with anybody other than to say he was in pain but yeah, he was. So my grandma told me that story when I was like four. Her and my mom were just going back and forth on different stories because my mom's also a nurse, but she was a hospice nurse. Mm. My mom is the type of person though that will take a picture and there's clearly dust in it. And she's like, "It's orbs! Oh my gosh, it's haunted! Like, here's a ghost." She's so. Dramatic. So were they purposely lying to you on this? I don't to, like, know. Tease you or no? That's the thing is she's never she's never said it. It wasn't true, and she's told the story multiple times throughout my life, but. And that guy ended up, um, the one guy, so in the story, the one guy who had had pain, <laughs> it was alleviated after the rocks had been moved. Uh. Yeah. It, it, it was alleviated. <laughs> and then the one guy didn't stay for his full two weeks or how, however mm-hmm. long the detox period is. He ended up leaving early. Very mm-hmm. elaborate if it is a lie. I'm going to ask her if that's true. I will update everybody if, if she's like, no, that was bullshit. But yeah. Uh, okay, so a movie-related thing, though. It, not to go off your Scream thing, but it is about Scream. So, first time I ever saw Scream was with my oldest brother and my mom. And we were at, uh, not like a big house, but this house that we used to live in was, uh, I don't know if it was haunted, but it was really creepy. It just, one of those places where you walk into and you get, like, the heebie-jeebies automatically. It was like that always, and I lived there, and I just never lost it. I never saw anything, I never heard anything, other people said they did. Which I would have been like a prime candidate. I was like eight. So if Mm -hmm. someone was going to get haunted, it was going to be my ass. But whatever. Okay, so we watched (laughs) Scream. VHS. Super excited. Loved it. Great time. The house. So it was a house and then there was a pool. You, How it sat is like house, pool, outside, and then the garage was detached. So the garage was Mm -hmm. away from the house past the pool. And that's where the, um, the fuse box was. So, we watch Scream, probably 10 minutes after it ends, the lights go out, everything went out, and our little dog was freaking out at the garage door, like, or uh, not the garage door, it was like the utility room door. Mm -hmm. So it was like, also, it was kind of like Halloween, where like the utility was kind of attached. Yeah. Yeah, detached as well. So the door towards the utility room freaking out at and I was just like oh that's creepy and me and my mom look at my brother and we're like you need to go do the fuse thing and he was probably when what year did that come out uh 
I mean, if you're watching at home, probably 97. So he would have been 17, 18, depending on when mm-hmm. it So he w- he makes all of us go with him because he refused not to call him out. But we all Scooby-Doo crawl, walk <laughs> all together in unison to the garage. Flip the lights. It had been flipped, but there was nothing there. I don't. We don't know what triggered it. But it was probably 10 minutes after we saw it. So that freaked me out. The movie didn't scare me. That whole night, I was like, yeah, someone's probably going to come in and murder us. Those are my stories, guys. Those are good stories. Scream also freaked me out. It's a good movie. Young boy. Such a good movie. Well, all right. Good stories, everybody. Fright Night. 1985. Tom Holland. Tom Holland. So Tom Holland got a start writing films. He did Class of 84, Psycho 2, Beast Within. And because of how popular Psycho 2 was, he got the chance to direct Fright Night, which, which he also wrote. Just talk, Psycho 2 is a phenomenal movie. Love it is Psycho a very 2. good sequel. I and I think it's the best of the Psycho sequels. I really enjoy it. I enjoy 3 quite a bit, but I agree. Mm-hmm. Psycho 2, I loved. Mm-hmm. So, he got to make this movie, which is basically a love song to the films that preceded it. You know, Hammer Horror... And also just, he wanted to make a movie really about himself, about a boy that just loved... Yeah, a monster movie yeah. fan. Initial thoughts. Do you guys like this movie? I love this film. I think it's like a perfect Halloween film because it has like this mischievous fun and the effects are phenomenal. And I just think it's a super entertaining film. This is a movie I watch multiple times every single year. It hits every, it checks every box for me. It's... It's hilarious. Like, it makes me laugh out loud, and I've seen it I don't know how many times. It's still all the jokes hit for me. The effects work is so amazing. And the music, Brad Fidel, I mean, it's so good. I love it. I just love it. Yeah, I, I enjoy this movie. Like, I've seen it probably three or four times, and every time I watch it, I have a good time. So, yeah, I, I, I have fun watching this movie. So, basically, this film conceptually, is Rear Window mixed with Hammer Horror. Do you want to read us a synopsis? Absolutely. There are some very good reasons to be afraid of the dark. Nobody believes teenager Charlie Brewster when he discovers that his suave new neighbor, Jerry Dandridge, is a vampire. So when the bloodsucker starts stalking Charlie, he turns to has-been actor Peter Vincent, famed for portraying a ghoul hunter. Unfortunately... For this would-be vampire slayers, Dandridge has set his sights on Charlie's girlfriend. That's a pretty good synopsis. <clears throat> yeah, it's a little long in yeah. the tooth. Basically, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> the film's about a boy who lives next door to a vampire and no one believes him because he's obsessed with horror movies. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing that like makes, I think, the, like, the premise so solid is that like Rear Window is a great premise for a film. Taking that... And instead of, what if your neighbor's a killer? What if your neighbor's a monster? Um, I I don't know. I think it's like a perfect marriage of ideas. And I also think, like, it being... Because it came out at a time when, like, all these postmodern vampire movies were getting ready to come out. You you had, like, this postmodern run of werewolf movies in the early 80s that came out. Uh, For whatever reason, it seems like Frankenstein didn't get much play in the 80s. But, uh... (laughs) You know, for classic, you know, monsters and stuff, like, this precedes, you know, Lost Boys, and I think it's, like, right after The Hunger. Mm. 
but you're getting like all these postmodern horror. And I think what separates this one is like it's such a love song to what came before it. Like Peter Vincent, that character is a marriage of Peter Which, Cushing and Vincent Price. Played by Roddy McDowell, who the cast of the movie is a big part of why yeah, it's so let's do that real quick. Uh our major players, we got Chris Sarandon, Chris Sarandon. as Jerry Dandridge. Yep. We got William Ragsdale as Charlie Brewster. Amanda Burse as mm-hmm. Amy Peterson. Roddy McDowell as Peter Vincent. And Stephen Jeffries as Evil Ed Thompson. Yeah, and uh, also, is it Jonathan? Jonathan Stark mm-hmm. as Billy, the and, familiar. And I, um, I noted this because I love her so much. Charlie Brewster, Judy Brewster, yep. the mother... Uh, Dorothy Fielding. Yes. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, she, yeah, we'll she's talk about great. her, but oh, and Art Evans, Detective Lennox. Right. Yes, yes. <laughs> Which isn't he one of the? Was isn't he the other Johnson detective in Die Hard? Yeah, Johnson yeah, yeah. and Johnson. I, I'm almost positive. Yeah, yeah. If so, we're wrong, the internet will like, let us know. So Billy Jonathan Stark, he also a movie that we really enjoyed, uh, House Two. He's the yeah, he's the, the obnoxious the, friend. Yeah, that goes on the adventure. Uh, also, uh, the most horrifying thing that he's ever done was co-create According to Jim. <laughs> but he, he won, like, an Emmy for, I think he co-wrote the Coming Out episode for Ellen. Oh, very And cool. William Ragsdale worked on Ellen. He was, um, Ellen's boyfriend before the Coming Out mm-hmm. episode. Amanda Burst had a long run on Married with Children. Married with Chris Sarandon and Roddy McDowell are so famous that we don't need to really say. People know. Um, Stephen Jeffries, he was in a movie with Amanda Burse, uh, the fraternity... Vacation. Vacation. He was also in that, what, 976 Evil? Mm-hmm. Um, so he's just kind of floated around in genre films. I do feel like he's someone that, and we'll get more into this later, but I think uh, there's a great documentary on the Blu-ray of Fright Nights called You're So Cool, Brewster, mm-hmm. The Making of Fright Night. They get everyone back. It's such, I highly recommend you watch it. It's so well-rounded and all of the effects players are in it and so cool to hear them talk. But I feel so bad for Stephen Jeffries because it seems like he just got tied to a laugh. He got typecast as Ed as evil. Well, he's and he, so good he is, in the movie. He is really good, but hearing him talk... He sounds so burnt out, and I felt so bad. Not like he hates the character, just yeah. like, man, I don't want to do the fucking laugh again. <laughs> no, but I, I think it's cool that, like, I it, it really seems like everybody that was involved with this film had a passion for it. Yeah. And they were really sold on Tom Holland. Mm-hmm. Like, just him, his ability to, like, the the script seemed to be very well written, well, and everybody yeah. was sold on that idea. And just that great idea of... Boy Who Cried Wolf, Rear Window, Monster Movie. Yeah, I think even Chris Sarandon, it, it like kind of sums it up with, with how port, important Tom Holland was to uh, just pivotal in making it happen. I mean, he wrote it, but mm-hmm. uh, Chris Sarandon got the script and he read the title and he was like, no way. Like, he was not interested in horror anyways. He was like, no, I'm not doing it. And then he was like, okay. He read the first page and he said within 15 seconds, he was sold. He, he was like, I could see the movie. It was so well done and then he flew out to meet with Tom and he Tom told him shot by shot and he was like I saw the movie before I was in it and I wanted to do it. Yeah, which I think's interesting that like 
like Chris Sarandon, who's a great actor, he's probably most well known for his work in genre films. Like I would consider Princess Bride a genre film, oh, even though it's oh, like yeah. super popular. Yeah. And uh, you know, Day. Child's Play, yeah. which he also did. You know, in Dog Day Afternoon, he was nominated for. He he kind of chased these like genre roles over very interesting like, career. I mean, he still did like the theater and mm-hmm. like the super serious stuff, but I think he's he is so good in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah. Do we want to get into like the movie beat by beat? Like, how do you want to do it? Do you have funny notes? I got notes. Let's do let's do some Nolan. Notes. What what if we do Nolan? You go through this like the film beat by beat yeah. by your notes. And me and Melanie can interject. All right. So this film starts, uh, we get some, it kind of bookends nicely with our two main characters, uh, basically. Canoodling. In a bed together. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, we have on the TV, uh, Jonathan and Nina. We have TV vampire, Peter Vincent, the vampire killer. Can I, I, I'm sorry to interject so, so early. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Okay. So they're taking on like this Sven Gulli Elvira type thing with Peter yeah. Vincent. Like Nolan, did you ever watch like any shows? I feel like when we were kids, that that stuff was bigger than like well, local yeah, access television. Yeah, Joe Bob. I knew it was right. Joe Bob. See, yeah. because when we were kids, Monster Vision was a huge right. thing for TNT, and then USA Up All Night was a huge thing that would do mm-hmm. like horror films and then yeah. genre comedies mostly. Yeah. When I got a little like older, like seventh grade through like sophomore year in there, like I would watch those things late at night. Sneak off. Yeah, sneak off and watch from watch the USA <laughs> Up All Night. Or I remember watching. Like, I knew who Joe Bob was, so, like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. obviously, like, I wasn't as well-versed as, like, you guys, but I I knew what he was, who he was, because I'd seen him before and stuff. So, yeah, like, watching this now, I mean, obviously, I get the reference much better. Yeah. Oh, and you've watched, like, Sungulian stuff, Mm -hmm. and... Sure. Yeah, like, I love that type of stuff, like, the, you know, horror host... Even if it's super... Like, I would watch... If Fright Night was a real thing, I would watch that yeah. show. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's so interesting that the there's so many horror movies that frame their horror with these type of shows. You know, mm-hmm. Halloween does it with Dr. Demento's... We just talked about House of Thousand Corpses. Yeah. It's the same mm-hmm. thing. Right. Yeah. A tag for, like, horror fans. Yeah. Like, you know, kids who grew up loving the genre... It, because that's the way they experienced it was on television through mm-hmm. these hosts from like the 50s and 60s like, with Vampira and my favorite um obviously was Elvira and she if I remember right she was on USA um I think she would pop up once yeah. in a while because I think when we were kids Gilbert Godfrey and then there was this yeah. like vampy woman who was like her whole thing was like me and Nolan actually sat up one night watching old spots from Up All Night. It was like advertising for um, Hellraiser 3. Pinhead would show up and right. she'd be like, oh, basically like, hey, are you going to fuck me, Pinhead? Mm-hmm. It seems like Hammer Horror is the main thing that they're drawing on. But also, I feel like they're ribbing on Dan Curtis stuff from television mm-hmm. with Dark Shadows oh, yeah. and all the TV movies he was sure. doing at the time because he did Dracula yeah, obviously I'm familiar with Hammer, but I'm not very familiar with Dan Curtis. Yeah. Okay, so obviously, yeah, we got we got the Peter Vincent Fright Night Theater. I wrote down we got Charlie being a dick, um, really just pushing Amy to give him some. Yeah, here. that is a thing where they 
they're making out and it's sweet and he gets mad at her because she doesn't want to put out and mm-hmm. then she's like okay charlie and she goes and gets in bed takes yeah. her top off mm-hmm. where she's just in her bra and she, it feels so authentic because she like covers she's herself awkward. she has her shirt mm-hmm. off but then she covers herself with it and she just lays down and she's like i'm ready and it's like oh yeah it's just like awkward teenage yeah. Charlie Love. being, yeah, it's like... And he ignores he's her. He's looking the out worst. the window because he sees... Mm-hmm. What does he see, Nolan? Uh, yeah, so he sees a couple guys outside carrying a coffin. Um, like you said, I wrote this down very early. It's very much a play on Rear Window early mm-hmm. on in the film yeah. here. Amy <laughs> has basically given in at this point. She, yeah. It, she's she, like... She's uh, like, I'm going to have sex with she's you. She's like, I'm ready. And... And then he Charlie. keeps looking out the window. Yeah, I go, Amy's ready for Charlie. Charlie obviously wasn't ready. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the flip in sexual politics within the mm-hmm. five minutes that happened here? Because I like it. he yeah. is feeling up on her and like she gets there's a, it's it's such a it's such a Hey, we've been dating for like almost a year. I'm scared. No, but the whole the why this is such a staple of teenage boys. It's yeah. just it's teenage boys. The yeah. slowly putting the hand up like that. You want to see what you can get away with. Okay, but it's like a slow thing, and then she's like, "No, Charlie," and she pushes his hand down, and then he goes back, and he's like, "But maybe, but possibly." <laughs> and she's like, "Charlie," and then he's like, "Amy, mm-hmm. we've been dating for a year," and then she's like, "Okay," Listen, takes her clothes off, and then he watches. It's the eighties, <laughs> you know. Your playbook is you got to break them down psychologically. That is to get what you want. I'm going to agree with Melanie here. <laughs> and I'm going to say that. I'm not saying that's a good thing. No. Teenage boys, and still, even as a 30-some-year-old man, your mind is sca- scattershot mind. I mean, what? Oh. Wait. I'm saying... What like, are you saying? Well, he was all about the sex. Uh-huh. Then, oh, what do we got going on outside here? Guys are very visual. This it's, is true. Yeah. She gets mad, which is fair. Her reaction is fair, but he could have been like, Hey, babe, can you come over here? Because is this a coffin that I'm seeing? And she'd have been like, the fuck is happening? Yeah. Let's investigate together. But instead, he's just... Communication is the paramount of all relationships. I mean, all. We're not even talking romantically. Friendship, mm-hmm. family. I, I mean, obviously, Jerry and Billy have communication. Jerry and Billy are... Yeah. <laughs> now, that's a relationship I can get behind right there. Agreed. <laughs> okay. Uh, next thing I have down, Charlie Brewster. What happened to your car, bro? Oh, you mean the <laughs> painting? What is he... Yeah, I mean, come on. You can do better than that. Oh, also, though, so... It just feels like every teenage car, though. Honestly, look, I mean, I'm ripping him, but I mean, I had a car that was half gray, half yellow, so I mean... <laughs> that's true. I, like, you also had a car is... that spoke to you. That's why I feel like I had to comment on it. How many... But still, Let me, I Nolan, mean, come on. Nolan, quick aside. Yeah. Okay, so I had one vehicle the entirety of high school. Yeah. How many cars did you end up driving through high school? Probably around five. <laughs> no. Okay. I, and I've talked about this before. I have the worst car luck and I freaking knock on all the fucking mm-hmm. wood. I get mm-hmm. hit when I'm not in my fucking car. <laughs> I'm just saying I have the worst car luck. So yeah. strike it from the record. Nolan, don't you even worry you, about Nolan. that. Don't be a dick, Stacy. Well, he didn't wreck them. It's just he would end up with these cars. I like that. <laughs> but I've had a, I've driven way too many cars in my life, and I hate it. My favorite had to be the 94 Ford Aerostar is that the one with the minivan. No. Oh, is that the one we put hot dogs in? Yeah. 
<laughs> me and Nick hid hot dogs. Scared Nick from earlier? Yeah, like, we hid eight hot dogs in his van to see if he could find them How all. How long did it take you to find them all? Yeah, uh, it took a while, a few. <laughs> what did I put in my freaking visor? <laughs> did it fall in your lap? And I didn't use it for the longest time because it had a mirror on it. So, like, I'd put the visor down for the sun, but, like, one day I just, put, I don't know what was, I had, I don't something know if I had eye, something high or yeah. I wanted to make sure everything was so you just intact. Open that mirror from the visor and just a nasty hot dog comes falling down Did on my hit you? lap. Oh. Yeah. Wasn't I mean, this like two weeks later? Yeah, it was a while. Because you was... found some right off the bat. Yeah. You guys are bad friends. <laughs> just a rough go. You know, but yeah, I, I drove a lot of vehicles, <laughs> all right? doesn't do anything to anybody and he always gets attacked. Listen, when you work in a movie theater and you have hot dogs on the roller and it's the last show of the night, sometimes you got to find out what to do with those hot dogs. Nolan, do you want to continue with your Yeah, notes? we're going to get back to the film now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, uh, so uh, next I have written down, Mrs. Brewster really wants a dude. She needs a guy. Her, that actress, <laughs> in in the documentary, she didn't come back. They don't know where she is. So it's like she just dropped this performance and then got out of Hollywood. Yeah. She, her comedic timing is so good. It's still a little from uh, Rewatchable. She's throwing 101 yeah. the entire time. It's so like, good. She is killing every scene she's in. She, I think I have written down like Mrs. Brewster, best movie mom. Hilarious. Yeah. Okay, so when you first see her, it's like mm -hmm. Charlie and Amy come down and Amy's yelling at him, like, I thought you wanted to make love. His mom is in the room right there. She's like, are you kids having a lover's spat? Mm -hmm. And then she's just like, it's okay. That's that's <laughs> funny to me because it's like, you have to, like, parents know what their kids are doing. They know kids are fucking, And yes. it, it's like, you, it's so funny when, like, you get surprised by, like, like, the parents say something when, like, something slips out from one of the parties yeah. about fucking, and it's kind of... But, like, you know, the parents know the moment their kid has, like, done anything. They know. Yeah. They kids, have to know. Because kids are awkward, and, the, yeah. like, they think they're playing it down. You're not, babies. You're not. Everyone knows. Mm -hmm. You're not playing shit down. It's bad. But it's good. Yeah. It's healthy. No shaming. But, yeah, I just... I... Oh my god, I love Judy so much. She's so good. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. What do you got next? Uh, okay, uh, we get a little uh, some a school scene here. Charlie is trying to make up with Amy, trying to apologize about the night that was, uh, about getting distracted. And then what happens? He gets distracted again, this time by a TV reporter reporting a murder. You're skipping a lot of shit. We well, get our introduction that's to why Evil Ed. here, man. What do you what do you guys think of Evil Ed in this I film? I love Stephen Jeffries. Well, there are two scenes that I specifically want to talk about with him, where the acting in this film is part of the reason why it's there is so much sincerity in this film. Yeah, and he is a pivotal point in that. He's, I I he, think the movie works on the level that it does because because it could easily be camp. It but it deciding it. not to be camp, like, it works so well as an homage. It, People feeling real feelings about the things that are happening. Mm -hmm. I think it makes it a more entertaining movie. But Ed, to me, so evil, he he does feel like that kid that it's like his only friend is Charlie. So it's the, he's the weird kid. Charlie's probably a little bit more cool. And he mm -hmm. probably has other connections. Well, and he has a girlfriend. It feels very real, and they look like kids. Like, I know that um, Amanda... 
she said she was like in her twenty six. They all look like kids to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, and they they've been doing movies for a while, but yeah. yeah, they they do feel like high school. Yeah, it feels authentic. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, so Charlie, you know, he messes up again. Uh, Amy <laughs> takes a sandwich and slams it into Charlie Brewster's face. If it's a burger or a sloppy joe yeah, or it, a it, burger with chili on it. It looks really nasty. In the documentary, it's they said it, burger, but that looks like a taco burger, like a, a yep. weird sloppy joe. I always thought it was a burger, but with chili on it. I don't know. It looks mm-hmm. so disgusting. <laughs> it looks bad. You're so cool, Brewster. That's right. I can't stand it. Evil filling his oats. <laughs> do you like evil? I do. Do you like that line? Like, that line's the most iconic line in the movie. I think I have some line written down later from him. We'll see. And it comes into play later, but Ed and Amy together, it's a very nice, like, anytime they're on screen together, I really like it. And it makes sense that those actors had worked together before. Uh Because you can feel there's a real camaraderie. Like, they, it it feels really, the chemistry is so good. So, okay, so what leads Charlie to get distracted is because earlier in the film which i think comes after you know you mentioned his bad car uh he meets a night worker a sex worker a sex worker uh, played by heidi swanson i believe good remembrance by you yeah she is gorgeous Mm -hmm. she is i'm pretty sure that's her name she She has a very lovely blue dress on yeah, and there's a really cute uh, segment in the documentary, not to keep talking about it, but Tom, uh, so she's wearing this blue flowy dress that it's tight, but it's also loose, mm-hmm. very tight around her bottom and her bosoms, mm-hmm. and he wanted to really get Charlie's attention is what he said, so the character really needed to be wowed by this, and it's, she's long, leggy, blonde, gorgeous, mm-hmm. tan skin, Tom Holland wanted her nipples to be hard, for the scene, but he was so embarrassed he couldn't ask her, so he went to the wardrobe lady and was like, can you see if maybe you can, like, ice her nipples if she's okay with her nipples being really hard? Mm. He was like, I just, I still probably couldn't ask even to today, or even to this day, and it's like, yeah, you probably shouldn't ask. Always let a female deal with that Mm -hmm. over you. (laughs) I gotta say, I've had my nipples iced before, and they do get hard. Who has iced your nipples, if you want to share? Ashley and Kendra. (laughs) I have no words. Why uh, is there a reason why your nipples got iced? They just by f- female friends. I, I don't. I mean, I, for some. I were just, you just sitting there and they were like, "Hey, known," and they put in basically <laughs> like I don't know. How, I don't. It's been years. Things I don't happen. know how this started, but I yeah, mean, it happened. Your two of your closest friends tried to. They yeah. I mean, Stacy and Chris have both tried to make me hard before, but like through suggestion. Well, I mean, you were, like, rubbing my inner thighs. Friends like that. I have crazy friends. I don't know what else to say. Like, my body's been through it. I've never violated you. That's true. That is a good line. I have crazy friends. My body's been through it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's the life I live. You're so cool, Noah. Yeah, I'm great. You know, what can I say? Okay. uh, Where were we? All right. Uh... He gets distracted. So, yeah. he, so Charlie is back um, 
we get back to his house. He's oh, spying. we should clarify. Sorry, yes. the sex worker is the one who was on the news prompt. That's that, right. Mm-hmm. So this beautiful yeah, yeah, lady and, and Charlie recognizes yeah, she her. She goes into the house because she gets out of the taxi. She asks Charlie, "Is this the address?" And he's mm-hmm. like, "Actually, it's next door." To the place where he saw the new neighbor moving in with the coffin. And then he gets all giddy. Yeah, he's an awkward teenage boy. But, uh, so during the school scene, the advertisement, or I guess they're in a diner. They're not at school. Yeah. Whatever it is. Um, he sees the prompt on the, the newscast, and he's like, that is the sex worker that I saw. Yes. And she's been murdered. That's right. All right, so, Charlie, we get back to their house. Charlie's spying on the neighbor again. This time, the neighbor is having some fun times. Uh, we have I, a lady that's over there. I love this shot. Yep. Um, some breasts show up. So Charlie's peering through the window, and he can see through mm-hmm. his neighbor Jerry's window. Yep. And he's got a lady standing in uh-huh. front of him, and she's taking off her, her blouse and her right. bra. And mm-hmm. he's kissing behind her neck, very yep. sensually. Yep. And then the head goes back, and you see the teeth. Yep. We get some. And then fingers. you get that Spielberg shot of William Ragsdale. Him realizing, like the things, some long fingernails. So you know, Charlie's a little freaked out. Yeah. Just so him. Jerry is about to. The neighbor is about to bite down on mm-hmm. his prey, but then he stops because he senses Charlie looking. And then he slowly pulls down the shade right. of the window and Shows you see those nails. claws. I think that whole thing is, it's staged, it's mapped out so perfectly. Yeah. Those shots are so good. Yep. Good stuff. Um, Charlie tries to tell his mom a vampire has moved in next door. This is where we get into, like, nobody really believing him here. She just gives him hot cocoa. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, Charlie tells the police. He he lets them know they visit um, Jerry's house. This is house. where we get to so, meet Detective Lennox, yeah. R. Evans, who's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, he's only got one scene, but it, it is important to the story it's, to like yeah. really isolate Charlie in that like it makes sense that he has to seek the help of, of this, a washed up actor. Yeah, things for him. Like, what are your impressions of Jerry? I think we should talk about this. Because, since he is fully introduced by this point. Yeah, we finally get to know Jerry. I mean, he's a smooth guy. I think Jerry Dandridge is the best cinematic vampire ever. Like, oh, man. For me, I think he is the best because you have that, like, sexiness and smoothness, which you you kind of get that in the late 70s with Frank Langella's Dracula. You get that a lot of it, but yeah. But I, I think that Jerry has... Like, I feel like that's a perfect marriage of, like, Franklin Langella's Dracula and Christopher Lee. Like, just how powerful and confident he is in those Hammer films. Mm-hmm. And I I just love the little things that Jerry does. Like, I love that he's eating fruit all the time. Like, the you when you're talking about where Charlie, you know, finds out, he tells his mom, he goes out to spy on Jerry. Jerry's eating an apple and just chucks it. Like, I think that... Like, Jerry's an interesting character. You get the... We'll get to it later where he, like, offers briefly Charlie a chance to get out of all this. But I think he's a very interesting character in that, you know, he does have that, like, kind of Dracula backstory, at least for the good Dracula films, where it's like, you know, he's kind of torn 
over his existence. Yeah, I couldn't say that he's, I think he's the best. That's that's hard for me to say off the cuff, but he, the way that Chris Sarandon, and I, I'll get more into this in a bit, but Chris Sarandon is, is such a good actor, and he, his, like, background work before he takes on a role the reason why he eats fruit is he read into like the history and the myth of vampires yeah and, and like and it leads back to the, to the fruit bat and so he was like wouldn't that be interesting if in his dna if somewhere in that that he still had this like compulsion to eat fruit which it's brilliant and him just walking around eating fruit it's intimidating well it's visually interesting it's, too. yeah it's it's very interesting but i think that jerry Dandridge has this ability to where he it, he is this presence. He's this powerful beast. But then there are moments where he is trying to be truly compassionate to humans, and it, it feels authentic. But it's it's never sobby like no, 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 no. Coppola's Dracula. Oh, oh, no, it, it's no, no. very it's... much like. At no yeah. point in the movie do I feel like Jerry's not in control. No, and I'm not saying that, but I'm saying he. you can tell that he. there is genuine compassion that he feels. And then whenever he sees Amy, and there's a plot point that Amy looks like someone that he loved yeah. dearly. There are characters specifically, I would say, not so much with Charlie. He does give Charlie an out, but I think with Amy and with Ed, he is really compassionate. And there are these subtleties that he... It's so interesting. It is a very interesting character. I mean, honestly, for me, like, the way, the reason this movie works, like, the direction is so good, but it, it's very much like Chris Sarandon as Jerry, Roddy McDowell as Peter Vincent. Like, those two performances are so good to me mm-hmm. that, like, it it brings the entire movie together. Nolan, what do you think about Jerry? Well, uh, I think he's great, but I, I you know, I, I can't uh, say that uh, I don't love me some... Uh, David Bowie from The Hunger. <laughs> yeah, um, I can't Gary say... Oldman from... Yeah. Uh, you know, but uh, yeah, I, he's a he's a great character. Offhand, it's hard for me to say that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I know, like, you know, saying Jerry is better than any version of Dracula. But I mean, it, it's just... Lee no, but I get well, what you're saying, you know. though. Oh, I know. I, and you know I love those films. <laughs> but it is, it, I think... No, he's a good character. Comparing sure. it to Frank's performance and Christopher's performance... Christopher is always so menacing and yeah. dominant, and Frank Langella, his portrayal is like there's this there's this tenderness, there's this real, and he he has the beast as well, but yeah, and I think that Christopher Sarandon he really does hone in on that. Yeah, like Chris Sarandon, aspects. like I think he's the prettiest vampire, <laughs> kind of like. He's a hot dude, oh especially in this film. Okay, I'll get to that later. Yeah. Keep going. Like, <laughs> she'll get to that. Jerry's awesome. I'm going to get to it. Don't worry. I also love Billy. I don't know what Billy is, but Billy's great. No one knows what Billy is. Billy, Jonathan Stark doesn't know what he, <laughs> he was. Nolan, what's your guess on what Billy is? Well, I, I mean, through the first two-thirds of the movie, I just think he's a familiar. Right. But then the stuff the last 20 minutes happens and i'm like what the hell is he i don't know no one knows i don't know yeah but i'm down with him <laughs> i like his i like his uh ferocity what's in the basement charlie that's right <laughs> what's down there bro yeah so charlie tells the police they visit the house uh he tells the lieutenant that his neighbor's a vampire <laughs> things don't end well there uh they go to the house they check it out 
find nothing. Yep. They talk to Billy. So this is where my personal, where I uh, really came to look at evil here. You guys talked about it a little earlier. Uh, evil, what a ridiculous star. He's had too many potatoes for breakfast. <laughs> what? This is where I would like to tell a, another quick story. Um, evil Ed is a fun character, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. But he is a very high-strung boy. Now, my dad, uh, he's been in education his whole career. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He started out in the 80s in a little small town. My dad was teaching, coaching, teaching, whatever you want to call it, gym. Uh, It was an early class, so first or second hour. I don't know if it was middle school or high school. I don't recall. But um, he had a student who was acting up very badly, and my dad had... Warned him multiple times to, you know, cut it out, or I'm going to send you to the principal's office. Mm-hmm. And the kid just, he couldn't control himself. He kept acting out. So finally, my dad took him aside, and he's like, all right, I'm going to send you to the principal's office now, and I'm going to, su- this is back when SWATs were a thing, when yeah. kids got, got SWATed. So he told him, I'm sending you to the principal's office, and I'm going to suggest you get some SWATs today. And... The kid said, like, he he was very upset, very apologetic. Yeah. And he's like, I'm sorry, Mr. Tuck. I had too many potatoes for breakfast. (laughs) So he he basically was saying what was causing his idiocracy (laughs) was that he had too many potatoes for breakfast. You think that's Ed's problem? I think so. I think Ed probably has ADHD and, <laughs> or ADD, and he's a hyper awkward kid yeah. that doesn't have a lot of friends. It's yeah. very relatable. Yeah. See, and now you've made this dark because how many kids with ADHD got swats from the principal's office? I don't a know. lot. At least they had Nintendos. <sighs> Maybe what these principals didn't know was that some kids just had too many potatoes for breakfast. You buy that. <laughs> uh. So, Mom uh, has Jerry, the next-door neighbor, this over to their house for a drink. Okay, so, first of all, before this, Charlie goes to Ed to get some advice, which is why you're talking about mm-hmm. Ed in, in general. Yeah. He asks Ed, because Charlie's a horror fan. He watches Fright Night. Evil is the hardcore fan. That I think you guys are getting things out of order. How? Because he meets Jerry, and Jerry threatens him before he goes to Evil Ed to ask him about vampires. Are we sure? Yes. But he's already in the house at that point. Mm-hmm. And he tells him as long as he doesn't get invited in the house. Oh, no, you Mom, guys are right. I, I wrote down, Mom makes a I bad know. choice in inviting him inside. That's right. No, because Charlie goes to the police. Yes, and, that's and then the he goes to Evil Ed. But doesn't he go to Evil Ed's after, too? Because he's he- like, I need protection. He, and he gives him like five dollars. I don't know. That's this is before. Okay. Because he the, at that point he's like one very important thing is okay. I'm gonna have to edit something around this because I don't know. My bad. Like. It's okay. No. Okay. So, anyways, Charlie goes to Evil's house to get some advice because while Charlie watches Fright Night and he's a horror fan, 
Ed is like the fanatic that knows everything, or at least in Charlie's mm-hmm. eyes, he's the expert on this. Mm-hmm. Which again, it's teenagers trying to figure this thing out, mm-hmm. and that's also why Peter Vincent gets pulled into it. Again, it's teenagers. It feels very realistic, where it's like kids. He went to the police; it didn't work. So now he's like, "I'm going to go to my best friend who knows everything about horror situations. He knows about horror films. I'm going to ask him." Evil tells him that he needs to get crucifixes, that he needs mm-hmm. to get garlic, and that he's protected from. Uh, the vampire because the vampire can't enter his home without an invitation. So he thinks he's fine. Mm-hmm. He goes home. He goes upstairs. He's getting you know ready. His mom calls him down. He's like Charlie, we've got a visitor. Someone I want you to meet. Mm-hmm. How do we see Jerry, Stacy? Sitting in the chair, feet kind of relaxed, hand on the side of the chair. You see those fingers tapping. Mm-hmm. It's that great shot. And then Chris Sarandon just pulls the charm. Yeah, Chris's wardrobe in this, which, damn it, I didn't write down who did wardrobe, but whoever did Jerry's wardrobe and makeup, thank you. Thank you so much. Because they did an amazing job. His, uh, so he's wearing this. Makeup by Rick Stratton and Ken Diaz. And whoever did wardrobe, phenomenal. Because Jerry, I mean, everyone looks great. Jerry's wardrobe really does it for me and for a lot of other people in this world (laughs) that is true but he's wearing this long jacket with this red scarf that's not it's not like flung around it's just he's got it on his shoulders now charlie that i've been invited over i can stop in whenever i want with your mother's permission of course and judy is down judy wants to be judy dandridge so bad well and they make that joke about like after the escort you know, she's talking about the neighbor having a live-in carpenter. Mm-hmm. And she's like, knowing my luck, he's probably gay. Mm-hmm. And Charlie's like, I don't think so. You're going to be all right, Ma. Mm-hmm. Was, I don't think so. This is after he saw the mm-hmm. sex worker. Yeah. Across. Yeah. So um, one one scene that's kind of cool here, uh, Jerry goes in Miss Brewster's room. Okay, so... Jerry goes into the room. While she's sleeping. Yeah, she's sleeping. And as he is leaving the room, there's no reflection of Jerry as he opens the door to leave the room. Mm-hmm. No reflection. It, yeah, she has mirror. one of those like big yeah. old vanity mirrors. Yeah. It's really cool. It is I I enjoyed that mm-hmm. shot. Uh, Jerry first uh, in, first encounter with Charlie alone throws him across. So this is kind of like after that scene, he goes like up throws, to Charlie's yeah, room, mm-hmm. and so. Jerry, uh, we kind of see uh, Jerry's badassness here. Throws him across the room, lets him have it, and destroys his room in the process. Mm-hmm. Kind of a yeah. dick move. During this, uh, Charlie plunges a pencil in Jerry's hand. Well, he gives him the option. He's like, Charlie, I'm going to give you the choice I never had. And then Charlie pulls out the crucifix, and he's just, fool. Yep. He gets pissed. That, and uh, Jerry's vampire face And he's not out. even trying to bite him. He's right. trying to smash his head into the frame of the window. Yep. Which, because Charlie, what he was he doing before it. his mom was calling mm-hmm. him is he was nailing to reinforce right. the window mm-hmm. because a superhuman, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So yeah, Jerry, uh, his vampire face comes out for the first time, so we see some vampire effects for the first time in the movie. What do you think of uh, the look of Jerry as a vampire? I enjoy it. It freaks me out. It's good? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I dig it. I, good effects. Yeah. Uh, I, I enjoy the effects a lot in this movie. Uh, my favorite, as we'll get to later, are the effects of a certain lady. Next up, I've got um, Jerry finds Peter Vincent, and he thinks, man, I'm going to oh, call... Oh, Charlie. Yeah, uh, Charlie. 
Uh, I'm going to get a hold of Peter Vincent and ask him for help. Uh, Mr. Vincent says he has been fired from his show. He goes to the studio. Or does he go to the As he's getting okay. fired, yeah. Okay. He is in desperate mode, and Mr. Vincent's like, you know, it was fine, but then Charlie kind of gets aggressive, puts his hand on him. Well, yeah, he he's like, <laughs> he's Mr. Like, Vincent, the thing you said last night about believing in vampires, mm -hmm. do you... And, you know, thinking it's a bit, he's, he's like, like yes. yeah, of course, you know, like but if more kids kid. did. And I think it's interesting, the scene, it does make a comment about the state of horror at the time that they're in, because in 1985, like, all of the big horror films are slasher films. So, like, Hammer's cycle really ended in the late 70s. It was kind of getting... Well, even before long... that, you could say... Yeah, I mean, before that, like... By mid-70s, it seemed like they were running out of ideas, like, putting Dracula in, like, modern times. Mm -hmm. um, they were very reliant on, like, their lesbian vampire films and their, like, sex vampire Being films. more tantalizing, yeah. Um, they, did, they even did stuff with the Shaw Brothers mm -hmm. to do, like, kung fu and vampires. Um, so, you know, horror was shifting, you know, post-Halloween. And I think once Friday the 13th came out, you had all these films coming out trying to outdo each other as far as, like, kills and, you know, all these, like, high-concept Agatha Christie-type, you know, yeah. mysteries with murder. Mm -hmm. And Roddy has this great line about, like, if more kids cared about this, you know, I wouldn't be out of a job. Yeah. Right after this, I wrote, Charlie comes off as a crazy asshole. This is, like, my third or fourth <laughs> rip already of Charlie. You so. don't, do you not like Charlie? What? I, I don't mind him. I I just, I think he's an asshole. I do think, I mean, I, and I love William Ragsdale, but I do think Charlie is like the least interesting character. I'd agree with that. Yeah. So, Evil and Amy, uh, they stop by Charlie's house. Um, they see that his room is all lit with candles and has crosses everywhere. They are freaked out by his behavior. Well, Jerry told him, like, he's going to kill him the next that day. night. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Charlie tells him he wants to break into Jerry's house. Um, so, anything you guys want to say here? Yeah, so he they walk in and he's just sharpening mm -hmm. a steak. That's right. He's got like this giant wooden plank that he's just sharpening. And they're like, hey buddy, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. What you doing <laughs> and up there? He's just like, I went to see Peter Vincent. He doesn't care. And they're like, we'll go talk to yep. him. Can you stay here and not do anything crazy? Because mm -hmm. you're gonna get killed, right? If you really believe it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's something really cool about Amy where he has fucked up repeatedly mm -hmm. on like her trying to be sincere and talk to him and him getting distracted with all of this stuff that's reasonable for him to get distracted, but not fully communicating that to her. So she says, don't do anything. We will go talk to Peter. Do you promise me? And he's like, yeah. She does not believe him at all, but the fact that she is willing to, like, he believes it so it's real for him and I'm going to help him. Yeah, he it's says, so like, sweet. you don't believe me, do you? And then she just answers with, I, I love, love you, Charlie. Charlie. Yeah, it's so sweet. Yep, he doesn't deserve the sweetness, but he gets it. <laughs> he really doesn't. Yeah, so Amy and Evil visit Mr. Vincent. This time it is at his... They go to his house. House, correct? Yes. Yeah. Do you um, like the movie props he has? Yeah, it's, it's a cool it's really place. Cool. He lives inside. He's got like a picture of Bella. He's mm -hmm. got a mm -hmm. Nosferatu uh, bust. Yeah, you, you get the sense that Peter really does love this stuff. Even though, because right. at times he comes across as just like this cowardly guy who's just in it for money. Uh -huh. He really loves 
all of this stuff. Yeah, he loves what he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amy, uh, we find out basically that, you know, he's kind of broke. He's like, at first he's not going to help him any. Because they go letting him know, hey, mm-hmm. our friend thinks there's a vampire. We know that's ridiculous. Can you just do a thing where yep. you prove that he's not a vampire? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I couldn't be bothered. And then she says, I've got a $500 saving bond. He's like, I'll do it. Yep. <laughs> Desperate for money, he accepts the offer. <laughs> okay, so we did this aside for Jerry. For Peter Vincent, what do you guys think of Roddy in the role? I oh, I love Roddy McDowell so much. And it, I will say that's another... Not to keep harping on the documentary. That was another very endearing thing because Roddy passed in like 98 or 99. And uh, so obviously he's there's very few interviews of him talking about this. And they had a few clips that they recorded while they were making the film. But everyone on this film stayed friends. And they were friends until Roddy died. And they would like go have dinner with him. And he, I think that he brings... Because they, um, Tom Holland wanted Vincent Price to do the role. Yeah, he's and, just in bad health. Yeah, Vincent, his health wasn't because I'm sure Vincent Price would have done it if he was healthy and able. He he talked to Roddy, and because Roddy started out, he was a, a childhood star, and then he was in some genre films. Yeah, I mean Roddy's most Apes. famous for Planet yeah. of the Apes, but yeah, but he's Legend he's been House. around forever. Yeah. I mean. He he's in uh, you know this western that plays on TV all the time that uh, with Robert Mitchum where he's like a pastor and like oh. Roddy's a ranch hand I think yeah. it's like high card. I, no, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, it's Roddy's been around Hollywood since the '30s doing Lassie films and yeah. all sorts. But so I think uh, th- while it would have been cool to see Vincent, obviously, I think that the movie is so much better for having Roddy in it because he. There's so much, there's arrogance, there's like this just greed, and then there's this waning sadness. There's just like this sadness that he captures in moments that, of like someone who is washed up, and he said he related to the character because it was, he's like, yeah, I'm a B-movie star now. Like, this is what I am. Yeah, I I think that Roddy's great in the film, like you said, like, I think his sincerity in the role is really what sells Mm -hmm you know, the role in helps sell the movie. Uh, you know, you feel for him. I, I, you, you know, if if this was something made today where like a legendary actor who was kind of like in the background of Hollywood was in a role like this, you know, people would be talking about like, Oh, you know, supporting actor, nom things like that. I think Roddy's great in the movie. The, like the only thing that Roddy does that's like, eh, is once he has faith, that little smile, that he gives like that reassuring smile of like, oh, when he's holding the yeah, yeah. yeah. I, um, but no, I I think he's so good in the movie. I just think he does reach for those like parts where he's like hamming it up for like the comedy part, but then pings of sadness in the performance, and it's so tender and sincere. Mm-hmm. Nolan, what do you think? Mister Peter Benson is my favorite character in the movie. He's great. Yeah. Do you like Roddy? I do. Yeah. Yeah. You've never seen any of the original Planet of the Apes films. No. Oh, um, and I have to uh, just real quick. If you've not seen Evil Under the Sun, Roddy is delightful in that, and you it's you see Maggie Smith and Diana Rigg, and they just go for it. And Roddy, watch it. It's so good. Hell yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I love Roddy McDowell. He's so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For for me, uh, Peter Vincent is the character that I 
I root for the most in this mm-hmm. particular movie. So yes, you probably would relate too, because like you'd mm-hmm. be like, mm, yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna help you kill a vampire, but then you at the last minute mm-hmm. you come back. It would it would hit me with the braveness. In my heart. The braveness. I would like, hit him. I can't. Because Nolan would tell you, he's not, like, I'm a scared boy, but mm-hmm. then he'd be like, I gotta help I out. I can't let I this kid die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel that. What do you got next? Okay, uh, Peter Vincent decides to help them out. Mm-hmm. Um, they are taking Charlie over to Jerry's house at this point to prove to him that he's not a vampire. During this, um, it's specifically, you... I, th- I believe there's a phone call that happens. Yeah, yeah they, they're kind of setting terms, like the right. holy water. You, you know, you can't bring crucifixes over because Jerry's a born-again Christian. And it would be sacrilegious yeah. for that. And, that like, thing. holy water, like, well, it's not real holy water. It's tap water if I remember because right, that would be sacrilegious. Evil calls uh, Jerry's house, and they are the two. Peter does. Peter does. Okay, uh-huh. I'm sorry. Uh, basically, we just get that. You know, they're going to stage this and, uh, you know. Yeah, no crucifix is not real holy water, but they're going to have him drink some tap water to prove. Yep. So they get over to Jerry's house. Uh, We get the uh, big Billy line. Hey, Jer, they're here. (laughs) So great job, Billy. Uh, I wrote down Billy, hell of a familiar, which I thought at the time that's what he is. Uh, Jerry finds Amy to be a real beauty. Amy, what did I write here? Oh, Amy says the line, God, he's neat. Yeah, this is the scene where, so you have Evil and Amy, and Charlie is just kind of in the background terrified, because he knows, he knows the truth. He's like, this guy is a blood-sucking fiend, he's going to kill us. Mm -hmm. And Amy, you, Amy looks very similar, which we didn't really, we talked about this, but we didn't say specifically. Whenever Charlie had brought the police police officer over, he saw a painting that looked like Amy Mm -hmm. in Jerry's house, and he goes, Amy, that's weird. So when Jerry sees Amy, you get the connection that, oh, this is someone from his past. She looks just like someone from Mm -hmm. his past that obviously he had a very passionate romance with. So I'm just, I'm going to bring this up real quick because I know probably nobody will agree with me because I'm a crazy person, Uh but this is my one nit to pick with this movie with the story is that that, device doesn't really go anywhere. Go anywhere. I agree. So I just it doesn't no it that is something that yeah it does not it's really a weird like he because he acts like he has this painting of this woman that clearly he loves. He knows that's not Amy, but right. it's you know, you would think like there's gonna be something where it's like a line where it's like obviously she's reincarnated or whatever. This is never touched on again though. He he changes her and stuff happens after stuff we'll talk about. But it doesn't really seem that tender. It's just like, here, you can have her. What? That's true. What were you going to say? Well, so it does look like the lady, but he is like smart enough to know that it's not the lady. He gets her. They consummate yeah. whatever that is. And after that, it's like he's satisfied. Like, he just wants to see Peter and Charlie die. Yeah, I get that, but I understand to his point. Like, you, in any other movie. Like, it does that- show her multiple times that, like, the picture of her. Of you would like think the, that the more would be touched be. on about it. Right. I don't care that it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I, like I said, you I'm guys just, are in that uh, Coppola Dracula mindset. You got to be in the Jerry's so cool that he doesn't give a fuck. He right. fucked her, and after that, he no, doesn't I care. I get that. I just think see, it's a weird. Honestly, that doesn't use. feel like Jerry to me, though. Why? Because Billy is his love. I mean, if that is the case, love it. But no, no. For me, that <laughs> that's one thing that doesn't feel. 
because I think Jerry is so compassionate to humans at certain points, so that the fact that it's just, he has sex with her, and he's like, meh, because it, it feels like that, it's kind of like, it feels a little weird to me, but there's an argument to be made that maybe he was going to keep her, and they were going right. to, you know. There, it, yeah, not, it, it's not a, it's a not tiny, a deal breaker for this thing. movie for me, I yeah. just thought I would but throw I do, out my, I do there, my You wanted my more pick. whiny shit in there. Uh, sure. Yeah, we get all this, um, Jerry plays along, and the other characters do as well with this fake setup here. Uh, they give Jerry the fake holy water. We get a moment where, do we wonder, is it really holy water? Is it fake? They mm-hmm. kind of make that setup. He drinks it. He's fine. So everything's kind of going to plan. They're like, see, Charlie, he's not a vampire. Yeah, you're satisfied now. It's Getting fine. Getting ready to leave the house. Well, and him and Billy threaten Charlie in that moment, like, you don't want your friends to be hurt. Sure. Like, we, if you want to make a fuss, like, right. we can end this. Painting. Yeah, like, kill everybody. So, as they're getting ready to leave, uh, Peter Vincent pulls out a little pocketbook mirror that kind of is shown a little bit earlier. It's a prop from one of right. his films when he does a similar test in the movie. Yeah. Pulls it out, drops it, and... As, well, he, he drops it which, because he's startled. Yeah, because startled because I mean, when, he, like, when he looks in it, he doesn't see the reflection yeah. of Jerry. All of that's a homage to the original Dracula with Edward Van Sloan. I think during that scene where he first encounters Dracula, he has a compact, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that's how he knows, like, you know, Bella doesn't cast a reflection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so at this point, Peter Benson starting to get pretty freaked out. He's like, oh no, Charlie, yep. it was right. <laughs> yep, uh, we got to get out of here. So he's hurrying everybody to get out of there. Yeah, he drives out of there, and Charlie keeps, you know, pestering about what's up. And he tells Charlie, the others don't hear, obviously, by the scenes after, but he tells Charlie, like, he casted no reflection in my mirror. Mm-hmm. And then he hightails it. Yep, mm-hmm. get out of there. He's out of there. Yep. Okay, so after uh, they leave. Leave the house there. We have a scene where Evil Ed, Amy, and Charlie kind of meet up in, like, an alleyway. Well, they're walking Amy home. Like, Evil yeah. Ed talked about, like, going home by himself. Yep. And Charlie was insistent on walking we her take, home. Yeah, we take Amy home some, first. Yep, some jokes are made. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Charlie calls Evil Ed Pencil Dick. Um, then Evil Ed rips Charlie by joking. He's a vampire and says, you know, to give him a hickey. Um, so we got all that going yeah, on. Yeah, so he does the boy cry wolf thing where he, mm-hmm. he goes off from Amy and Charlie and he's like, I'm going home down this alley. I'll be fine. And they're like, it's a bad idea. And he goes, and then five seconds later he screams, they run over and he's like, I've been bit. And then yep. he fucks with Charlie and yep. laughs. And then they're like, fine, go home your own way. Yep. And they continue on their way. They go their way. He yeah. goes his way. Jerry follows evil. The music cues. That's another thing we haven't really touched on. The music cues during this scene are so great. No, do you like the music? Oh yeah, it's Brad Fidel, the guy who did Terminator. Yeah, yeah. So and track. also, so all the original like the songs in the movie, like every time there's songs, it was written for the movie. There is no used song. Very nice. So good. Like yeah. everything was written for the film. Yeah. Hell yeah. But so Jerry stalks evil. Jerry stalks evil. Uh, evil has made a fatal error. Uh, <laughs> I wrote evil gets turned. Turn <laughs> here, and this is one of the scenes where this is a beautiful scene. Yeah, this is a scene where I think 
Jerry is being genuinely compassionate and that he understands that evil feels like the outcast. Like, it's not like him being uh, manipulative, like him being like Mm -hmm. a creature that is smarter and stronger and knows everything more than this kid does Mm -hmm. because he does. But at the same time, it feels like he really is trying to help them. It feels very sweet. uh, Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably the most heartfelt scene in the movie for me. And I think Steven, his reaction to it is so good too i think mm-hmm. chris and steven in the scene are so it's so touching i yeah. think it's great mm-hmm. but yeah sorry what do you have next? no no problem uh so after he gets turned uh vampire evil now uh visits mr vincent um mr vincent uh takes a crucifix when he realizes that evil is yeah he lets him in not knowing yeah. mm-hmm. that he's evil yeah. evil ed do you uh, like evil ed's vampire makeup yeah, it's, I like all the makeup in yeah, this movie. I think like, Evil is yeah. my favorite. He looks really good. I like he how does look good. His teeth just are jacked up. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, he his takes, eyes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Takes a crucifix to the forehead. Um, he's pretty unhappy about that. So, uh, yeah, that happens. And now uh, uh, we're gonna get to the uh, basically the dance club sequence here. So uh, Jerry is in a dance like he he's dancing. You know, he's in a dance club. He's got great sweater game, I wrote down. Hold on, hold on. For those who haven't seen the film, he cuts the kids off. He like he starts chasing Amy and uh, Charlie. They go into the club to kind of lose Very him. Very similar to Terminator. Very similar to Terminator. <laughs> and uh, they get split up, and Amy finds herself in the clutches of Jerry. Charlie's yeah. on the phone trying uh, to contact Peter. Right, yeah. As I yeah. said, Jerry. Uh, I wrote down Jerry Dance Club sweater game, feel the heat. Mm-hmm. Amy feels it, obviously. Uh, I also, Did Noni feel it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's good stuff. Like, was, were you, like, at half mass? No, we're not talking... This is not... Full mass. So, this is not dick cast. I wrote down, uh, Jerry is a true predator. Uh, which, I mean, look, real quick, um, obviously he's a vampire, so, like, age doesn't really matter. Effect him. But... Technically, she's like a 17-year-old. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty messed up if you think about it. And that way, as Jerry being a predator, you know, it ends up really helping Charlie step up his game the way he needed to in the end. That's all I'm saying. Okay, I've said my piece with that. Um, Jerry, he grabs that ass. Amy's ass, that is. Uh Uh, They're having a good time there. They kiss. Charlie loses his his temper. Uh, Jerry takes Amy away. Oh, no, he doesn't. Jerry loses it in the club, destroys a couple security guards, and hysteria ensues. Nolan, what do you think of the shot of, um, like, Amy spins out of the dance, and once she, like, the camera focuses on her, her hair is, like, poofed out, and she is, like, her makeup's full-blown her woman. Yeah, her hair's different. Yeah. What do you think of that? Well, did you feel it? Jerry did what he needed to. You think that's some, like, interesting text? Yeah. <laughs> Melanie, what's your dissertation that you promised the it's, audience? Okay, it's not a dissertation. You said it. Here's the thing. And I've tried to think of a... I, it is hard for me to recall another movie where you're just seeing a man be seductive and be sexual in this nature. Where he is the focal point. Like, Amy looks good in the scene, but most of... It's probably, like, what, from top to bottom, maybe a six-minute scene altogether from when Jerry enters and they're standing by the phone and she... So you have uh, Amy looking out into the crowd and Jerry's just, like, doing these laps. Like, literally a tiger walking in the grass. On the prowl. Yeah, on the prowl. And 
you are so focused on Jerry this whole scene. Like, it's eyes, and it's it, it's just some. It's Well, Noel's, as Nolan said, his sweater game is impeccable. It is. You know, and again, He's whoever... He's really freaking handsome. Whoever did the wardrobe, and I've t- I talk about this sweater every time I watch this film. The sweater, it isn't a classic guy's fit. His It's got a bigger neck, so you mm-hmm. can see a lot of clavicle, so you're seeing a lot of just the indentations of his chest, so it's kind of like, oh, okay, little peekaboo. But it is not about Amy as much as it is about him. Like, yeah, he touches her, her tuchus, but she gets two scoops. She grabs of, his ass. Yeah, she gets two scoops of Hagen mm-hmm. herself. Like, boom, boom. It's just a dance, and it is a, about this young girl becoming a woman, and it's funny because it's like Charlie is out, you know, trying to talk to this doing his little boy yeah, shit. Yeah, he's doing his little boy she shit. She got a real man right yeah, there. Yeah, she's got big boy shit to do. Mm-hmm. It's it's just funny because Charlie big boy shit she does. She does do, but yeah, to, to me it's just I think it's so interesting that the female's not the focus of the seduction. It's all about Jerry, mm-hmm. and it's very captivating. And I I say that as a as a woman who is down for whatever, but. I think that most people straight any anywhere on the spectrum as far as sexuality goes, I think everyone agrees. Oh, me and Noam felt it. Yeah, it is so right. sexy. Not to speak for you, Noam, but I know you. Speaking yeah. Right. No, but I so I just want to say it's it's very interesting to me that he's the focal point, not so much her. Even though it's about her becoming a woman, it's about what he's doing. To about what he, how he's ch- changing her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very, very, very powerful. Right. It is it a stays, great set piece. Yep. And the music during the scene is perfect. Everything about it is perfect. The lighting. It is very similar to Terminator. It reminds me a lot of the Technoir scene. And I like that. So, uh, yeah. Great scene. Uh, Jerry does end up taking Amy away. Uh, I wrote I don't know what this means. I wrote down Charlie and Peter have a moment. Uh, Charlie goes to Peter's th- uh, apartment to convince Peter to help him. Peter says he can't because he's too scared. Okay, there and, you go. And you get, like, the super sadness from Peter, basically, like, him being washed up and, mm-hmm. like, feeble. And that's another thing. Uh, here's something that, not to be, like, film nerd or, you know, too analytical, but the film does do an interesting thing with identity and, like, playing roles so jerry is very hardly trying like he's he is trying to portray the normal neighbor like that would be his ideal like he offers that deal to charlie just because he wants to be billy's my roommate we have girls over i am a normal dude peter vincent you know like that's not his real name he says that as much and evil ed like his disgust with peter vincent and like i think it's their second encounter he talks about him being a fraud and i think that's so interesting that like basically our two leads that are not the kids you know are trying to be something they're not mm-hmm. They're at odds with it. Too. Yes, I find that very interesting. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the film, you know, Peter does build up the courage to be this thing that, you know, he pretended to be. For years, While yeah. Jerry fails at concealing his identity and well, it's like it goes just, back to his, like, bestial nature. Yeah, it just unravels piece by piece for Jerry. Not he, to be, like, too nerdy, but just... I don't know. Identity was something that I was thinking about when rewatching this film. Mm-hmm. 
And that's good. Nolan. Next, the uh, the next scene we have is the seduction of Amy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry takes a bite out of her. They get down. You know they fuck, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? I mean, good for them both. You think she, like... She did better than Charlie, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, if she was going to lose her virginity, Jerry is a good way to go, right? Yeah. I just don't think there's any way you come back from that in a relationship that, like... Yeah. Well, she's not back in the sequel. No. The sequel... Uh, we don't I've never seen it, it, but... It's... Yeah. You gotta think that, like, they probably broke up because, like, how does he compete? He, yeah, he can't get past it. I mean, they seem happy at the end, but ultimately, I think... the. Yeah. It's, it's like Jerry's been there before. I haven't seen the sequel either. Is it directed by Tommy Wallace? Yes. The director of Halloween 3. I believe so. Correct. I could be wrong, mm-hmm. but I, that sounds right to me right now. I'm speaking off the cuff. I did not look that up, so I'm sorry if I'm wrong. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, we, we get that um, that sequence. Uh, Charlie and Peter, this is their team-up time. They're going to take down the vampire Jerry. Uh, they get to the house... Jerry, welcome to Fright Night. For real. <laughs> I think you could have done better with your line reading. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, Billy, nice backhand slap of Charlie. Well done, Billy. He gets some gets some much-needed action. You wrote all this down? That's right. Uh, evil, good red-headed mop wig. The phone... <laughs> oh, his rag Oh, scattershot. Okay. <laughs> the phone so... lines have been cut. I did it! Okay. <laughs> So you're going off the rails with okay, your Okay, so that initial sequence of like Peter joins Charlie, like because Charlie's gonna go it alone. You see, like they get the jump scare where the hand comes down on Charlie. You see, it's Peter Vincent. Peter summons up the courage to do this. You, they have a wonderful line reading that Nolan kind of failed at of uh, Fright Night for real, and then. Um, you know, Charlie gets the shit kicked out of him by Billy, and Peter gets scared because he pulls out a crucifix, you know, back, you know, demon, and um, this comes up twice, once in this part, where Jerry, unaffected by the, the crucifix, is, you have to have faith, Mr. Vincent, mm-hmm. for that to work on me. And then he grabs the cross as it burns in his hand, yeah. and then Peter gets scared and runs to Charlie's house, to get Charlie's mother to call the police. That's when we get the second Evil Ed confrontation. We find out that Judy Brewster is at work. She's yeah. gone. So she's, thankfully Evil But Charlie's dinner is in the oven. <laughs> but uh, Evil is, he decides to hide in her bed and disguise himself with the Raggedy Ann doll that she had in the room, the the wig on it. Uh-huh. So he puts it on. It. I think Evil Edge's makeup is the creepiest thing in this movie. Nice it's so... Guy. His eyes look so creepy. I love it. It looks so good. Mm-hmm. So what do we got on this uh, scene? You'll cut this out, which is fine, but I just want to make you guys aware. Evil Ed is like a vampire Dougie McBride. Uh, <laughs> so, just thought I'd point out. Because of the teeth? That's right. Uh, okay. Uh, Death the Vampire Wolf. Oh, wait. Nasty transformation. It turns out to be Evil Eddie. He perishes. Wait, 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 wait. Were wait. you confused at who the wolf was? I was. <laughs> wait, serious? This is all in real time as I was writing this. You, hold on. <laughs> okay, so the wolf comes out of the room that they were just in where Evil Ed was in. There's a history of vampires shape-shifting into, into different wolves. For me, I thought only the, see, in my it's in okay. my thoughts, I thought only the, the, bat. the main 
vampire could do it. Oh. I didn't know that his minions could as well. Wait, so you thought Jerry was the wolf? Yeah. <laughs> what it's like in a the mind of a Nolan Tuck. It's a lot going on up there. So you because... thought that for you, like me and Mel watch this like normal people and we see the transformation and it's like, this is a really cool effects thing. For you, it's like the peeling back of an onion of like Oh my god, what a surprise. Evil Ed was that dog all the whole time? Who's it gonna be? I don't know, but we're gonna find out. You're like out. Jerry, Ed, Billy? We don't know. Oh, I was hoping it was Billy. <laughs> so that was a surprise for you. Oh, but how do we feel about this uh, transformation? The wolf transformation. Yeah, oh, I like it. Good transformation. It's, yeah, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Beautiful work. Yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. I think, I don't think there's an effect shot in this film that is hollow. Yeah. Like, it's all great. No. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, as you know, Ed Ed bites the dust. He takes a hand railing to the heart. Yeah. So Peter gets up the courage to mm-hmm. eat. wolf into the chandelier. Brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is yeah. another scene. The other scene with um, evil with Stephen uh, Jeffrey's character that is, I think, it's so touching. And Roddy's acting so good. The but, reaching out. Yeah. Stephen reaching out up at so the evil Ed reaching out up to Peter. And there's just a tear going down Roddy's face as he's uh-huh. watching this young boy die. Yeah. And it's so sad. And it hits. It hits for me every time. It's it's such a tender moment. And I don't think that, like, again, it had Vincent Price been in it. I don't think that that, ten- even though he's a great actor, too, he was great. I don't think that that kind of tenderness in this movie would have happened yeah. with anyone else but Roddy. So. All right. Amy has started to grow fangs. Uh, real, you know, she's turning. Um, she has also started to uh, get longer hair. Her boobs have grown. Her boobs have grown. A lot has happened. Mm-hmm. Nolan, is it going to upset you to know that the boobs and the sheer dress are not real? He would be more upset about the rubber. Boobs. That's true. They're if, rubber boobs. If her the, butt got bigger and I told him yeah, that it wasn't her butt, like, he'd be mad. WTF, y'all. <laughs> okay, uh, so next we have uh, some rough times for Billy. Uh, Peter shoots Billy in the head. He revives. Peter shoots him many times more than, sorry for the loud noise, <laughs> uh, then uh, I believe Charlie gets puts a stake in his heart, and this is where we have a crazy death slash effects scene of Billy as he turns to goo, then dust, then bones. Sweet effects. It looks so good. This this effect shot. Yeah, this is, is probably gorgeous. my favorite. Mm-hmm. But it um, brings up the question of like, shot. what the fuck was Billy? Nobody right? knows. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows. Because I always I if I were to describe this to someone, I would just say he's a familiar. But yeah. obviously, there's something mm-hmm. fucked up Something's happening. Going on. He he's like a zombie. It's, yeah, but boy. like the only thing that can kill him is similar, like a vampire mm-hmm. getting staked in the heart. It's odd. Yeah. Yeah. I like it though. I like the ambiguity. Yeah. Like yeah. I like it like how Jerry eats fruit. I like not knowing what the fuck mm-hmm. Billy is. Yeah. And I love just like the nasty green goo just pouring out of his, his pants. Yeah, oh. pants, his hands. Yeah, it's so good. good. stuff. Okay, after this happens, you know, obviously Jerry's pretty upset. Uh Jerry commands Amy to show him uh her love and to kill both Charlie and Peter. Uh I wrote down Amy has turned from cute to hot. Long hair now mm-hmm. as well. Oh, so by this point, though, like, they bring back the... Because Jerry commands that while he's in the basement, right? Like, while he's trying to get to bed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's to his... Yeah, right. to safety. So, so you get... Morning is coming. 
and you get the 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 scene of you know Roddy coming up with the cross again and Jerry's full on vampire after he breaks through the window after stalking him a bit and you know you have to have faith for that to work on me Mr. I, Vincent I had that written down next mm-hmm. ah. I put down great laugh from Jerry there and it does work Roddy gives that assuring his smile his ting uh-huh. yep it's working that's right yep <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that happens. Uh, Jerry turns into a bat as morning is coming. Um, we get a crazy bat sequence. Uh, the bat bites Charlie, but he seems fine. Amy seduces Charlie. Her vampire face is terrifying. Such a big mouth and fangs. This effect, I think it's going to shock you. This was done on the cuff. So, and for free. This uh-huh. And it went on to become the poster, the VHS yeah. cover, everything. Yeah, so Tom asked one of the effects artists, I think his last name's Cook, but I can't remember for certain. Um, he asked one of them, hey, we don't have any money in the budget for this, but I really just think I want one more creature, and I think Amy just, I want I want something really As terrifying. written and as originally shot, I guess it was just her with fangs. Yeah. Like, just bigger fangs. Yeah, and he thought that it needed to It be, wasn't a good reveal. Yeah, and they didn't let... Uh, William Ragsdale see her finish fa- like the makeup until so the, what you see in the film that's his genuine reaction Love I think that. that's the take they use Mortal Kombat Melina face but threw this together over a weekend like super quick just a couple of days and they were like yeah it's fine like she's not gonna have to it's it's gonna be in one quick shot but then they end up using it for like yeah. the entire ending segment and thank goodness like it's so quick like you're not really looking at it it's like it looks great it's funny that they were so oh i agree with nolan like i think that cheshire grin is like one of the most off-putting things in the movie it's great it's i mean it obviously the art for but he even says that uh that effects artist he's like yeah they did like they made it look better on the poster than it did and it's like it looks great in the film i don't know what he's on about it looks good Mm -hmm. that it does that Mm -hmm. it does do you like this like ending action piece known. Yeah. It's like the last 10 minutes are just boom, 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 boom. Yeah. It really hits into gear there. I enjoy it. Uh, So, after after that, uh, Peter attempts to put a stake in Jerry. Um, We also get it, we start, like, realizing it's morning. Mm -hmm. Jerry starts to realize it's morning. Um, They figure out, hey, we need to start busting out all these windows down here. So they blacked out the paint. Charlie and Peter start busting out windows for light to come in. And basically, at this point, uh, Jerry doesn't have much he can do. We have a little more fight scene between them. But finally, uh, Jerry burns up, cries out for Amy as he burns away. Uh, Charlie and Amy, like, I'm just going to go to the end here and then you guys can finish off what you have to say. Uh, Charlie and Amy finally going for gold uh, in the sexual sense. And uh, so they finally get their freak on as we get, a, like I said earlier, a book in to the film there the same way as uh, Peter Vincent's on on the TV. And in the background, as the film is ending, uh, you hear evil saying, oh, you're so cool, Brewster. Oh, because like before they get it on, Charlie walks by because Amy's like, oh, it's Peter. And he says something about like, you know, we're going to give the creatures of the night a rest, right, Charlie? Because, yeah, he, and, they play a UFO film instead of, like, a vampire Yeah, film. it's like Octoman or something. Yeah. And he walks by the window of Jerry's old house, 
and there's like two red eyes. They open and close, and he's like, oh. Now, story-wise, it doesn't make sense for it to be evil, and I don't think it is, like, explained away as evil, like, for part two. I've only seen Fright Night 2 once, and uh, I don't believe... It's just Roddy, I think Roddy and, and, and William. William. Yeah, yeah, I think they're the only ones that came back. Amy's not even in the, the story. Yeah, no, uh, what do you think of, like, Jerry's demise, like... The vampire death, like the transformations, like the skull, like the vampire bat demon monster thing that he melts into. Yeah. Like, do you like that effects work? Yeah. I don't. The, the only part that I think's oh just aged a little bit is like some of the fire effects on Jerry. Yeah. Himself. The it's, superimposed it's the fire. overlapping mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, uh, I feel like they could have done without yeah. that, and it would have looked right. cool. But yeah, other than that, yeah, good, good stuff, good effects work. Yeah. Like I, yeah, I think the effects. Uh, in this film are very well done. They had a very large team. You guys have any closing thoughts on the film? Good pick. Fun movie. Yeah. Oh. Yep. I, I'm glad that we... And I think I, I... When you guys started the podcast, I think this is when I told you if you ever cover it's like, I'm going to be on at that episode. Because <laughs> I love this movie. It's... I would say it's definitely... It's one of my favorite movies of all time on a, on a long list. But mm-hmm. I... Yeah, I love this movie. I think it's perfectly cast i love tom holland and i i think it's very sweet that he this whole cast is very aware that people this film has stood the test of time and that people love it like they all do the convention circuit and they're very compassionate to that but tom holland you can tell that he i mean uh, again in that documentary he like one of the closing things he says he's like i just want to thank all of you he's like almost in tears because he's so touched that people just love something that he had just this little sliver of an idea and then it became this. Well, and like the film was super successful when it came out. It got great reviews when it came out. You know, it did very well for itself. They thought Silverado was going to be the big thing. Yeah. And like this movie did better. Yeah. But yeah, this movie was very successful. They did a sequel. They did a remake like nine years ago. Nolan, did you see that? I did not see the remake. You know... It's okay. It got really good reviews when it came out. Yeah, the blood work is really awful in the movie, but I do like the cast. Um, It's worth a watch. Great cast, average movie. Yeah. Fair enough. That's with Colin Farrell? Yeah, he plays Jerry. Anton Yelchin. David Tennant, very nice. Uh, Emotion poots. Yeah. Yeah, Nice, nice. All right, well... I do have a Mary Fuck Kill before we sign yeah, off. If, if everyone's oh, done. Okay, okay. All right. So, Mary Fuck Kill. Charlie, Evil Ed, Billy. I'm going to marry Billy because <laughs> obviously that's worked out for Jerry mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. so long. I'm going to. I'm going to fuck Evil Ed. And I'm going to kill Charlie. Okay. Because Charlie is the least interesting out of them. Okay. That's my answer. Nolan? It's tough for me because I, I like the... I do like it, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to marry Evil Ed. You know, we're both jokesters. We're going to have a good time together. No mm-hmm. matter what, we're just... You're just going to be shitting around, you know? Yeah. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be like Stacy. I'm going to kill Charlie because I, I really think he's about as useless as a guy comes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I will F Billy, you know? Yeah. He seems like he'd be a, a good romp, you know? Gooey? <laughs> yeah. 
like a good goo. You want to find out where that green stuff comes yeah, from. Maybe I'll, I'll get intimate with him in that, that one night stand and be like... Maybe Jerry can just, be in on it. You don't know. Jerry might be there. We don't know. Just Come on, Billy. Just tell me where your origins are. Like, yeah, you want to mm-hmm. unlock that, yeah. that chest night. And I'm just kind of like swirling his chest hair with my finger. Mm-hmm. You're laying on his chest. Mm-hmm. You just got... Yeah. Like, you're in that crook just tell me. in his arm. Yeah. You're like, listen, mm-hmm. Bill, just yeah. tell me what it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I got. I think uh, I agree with Mullen. I think I would I would marry Ed because I think we probably have a lot in common. Mm. I don't know how much I can talk about with Billy. Ed, it's <laughs> like we he's a weirdo. He's into weird stuff. Mm-hmm. We have common ground. He's one of those mm-hmm. guys that if a girl would just give him a chance or a guy would give him a right. chance, that they would mm-hmm. see this like special thing in him. And it's like he, I think he he could be a great a great boyfriend, great great uh husband material are we talking like him as a vampire or him you can take it anyway i just said in general mm-hmm. so but i, I mean yeah, either I... way there's sex crimes happening with this yeah it's not great he's underage yeah <laughs> oh well, we didn't have to consummate the marriage until he's older anyways yeah but i marry ed i would fuck billy and again i would do the same thing if jerry's there mm-hmm. not mad at that mm-hmm. at all right Whatever they're into, I'm here mm-hmm. for. But yeah, I'm gonna lay on his nook and mm-hmm. like caress his neck and ask him like, "What are you? Please tell mm-hmm. me." And love I'm it. killing Charlie again. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I love, I love William, but Charlie is just. I don't want to that character. I don't want to marry, and I don't want to fuck. Mm-hmm. But yeah. so we all sympathize with Jerry in this story. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, let's be honest. If if Charlie would just would have minded his own business, Jerry gave him plenty of outs. Yeah. I wouldn't, yeah, I would not stir up shit. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have killed him. I would have a problem with him killing anybody. It's like if he, if I could have, if I found out, it's like, can you, can you kill criminals, like actual evil people maybe? Like we could do like a Dexter thing mm. and I won't tell anybody. Right. Or like That's that what... vampire show from the 90s, Forever Night. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Perfect example. Yes. Vampire cop. Absolutely. Be like, listen, Jer. Kill bad is, guys. This is what I've got for you. How about this? I would have not killed him, but I would have been like, can we pivot from the target that we've got now? Do something else. Or Angel. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I sympathize. David Boreanaz. I sympathize with Jerry, though. All yeah. right, Nolan. All right, well, good episode, guys. Uh, it's been fun. Melanie, thank you for joining us. Uh, it's a good conversation. Uh, Stacy, this was a good pick for yep, you. Yep, good pick. All of this uh, movie. Fun, mm-hmm. fun movie to talk about. Uh, where can we find everybody on the internet, Melanie? You can find me at Plastic Werewolf on uh, pretty much all social media. Stacy, S Glover eighty four at Letterbox, and you can find me at Chuck Madden Junior on uh, Letterbox and social media as well. You can find us at Cinema Parlor on Twitter. You can find us on SoundCloud, on iTunes, and on Spotify. Uh, rate us, review us, give us some thoughts. Whether uh, you like it or hate take it, yeah. any feedback whatsoever, uh, just let us know. And uh, uh, Melanie, thank you for all you do, producing the show, editing the show, and uh, for being a guest on today's episode. Hopefully, we got a couple more coming at you this month. Yeah, we got my pick next. I'm excited. That's right, we do. So uh, everybody, be ready for that. <laughs> and uh, you know, good times. Until next time, goodbye. Happy Halloween.